the House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. It's Capital Ideas. If you've missed us, it's because we took a short break while lawmakers burned some midnight oil, but we're back today with an interview with Representative Davina Dewar of Bothell up in the 1st Legislative District. Davina served on the Bothell City Council for six years, is an architect in her non-legislative life, and chairs the House Local Government Committee in Olympia. That's a key committee for several reasons, not least because land use, zoning, permitting, and other functions of local governments around the state are crucial aspects of Washington's attempts to ease the housing crisis. That's a crisis that makes home ownership, or simply a home period, unattainable for so many of our fellow Washingtonians. She'll talk about that issue and more in just a minute. First, I'll remind you that you're listening to Capital Ideas, the Washington State House Democratic Caucus podcast. We call it Capital Ideas because this is where members of the majority House Democrats sit down at the Capitol for a few minutes and talk about ideas. Those ideas range from education and jobs to community safety, equity, climate, housing, health care, quality of life ideas, things that matter. We recorded this conversation in Olympia on Thursday, March 16th, 2023. Here's how it went. Welcome to Capital Ideas again, Representative Davina Dorr from the 1st District of Washington State. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We last talked in March of 2020, which was your first year in the legislature. Now you're a, a hardened veteran here. <laughs> and you, you're you chairing a committee, which is, is something new. It is new this year. Yeah, I'm the chair of the local government committee. Well, that's one of the things that we're going to want to focus on today, I think, among many other things. But let me ask you first, what's the difference now that you feel when you walk into this building between 2020 and now that it's 2023, it's been a hellacious couple of years. Um, you've had a first few years like very few legislators <laughs> have to endure. What do you think now about your job? Oh, gosh. Well, I would say I appreciate the energy uh, of being in person and certainly being able to build relationships um, and have conversations that weren't easy to have um, when we were, you know, remote. Just just the conversations in, in the hallways and being able to work out small things that it's so easy to do in person and very difficult to do remotely. I think that's a pretty widespread feeling. I see a lot of people that just have more of a spring in their step, it seems like, than they uh, did in their faces when we were looking at them on a Zoom screen. Oh, for sure. And, and it's funny because people assume that I know them or that we've met, and I feel like I have a disadvantage. Maybe because I suffer from Zoom blindness, but I definitely feel a little bit uh, behind the curve in getting to know both my fellow legislators and just lobbyists and stakeholders. Well, for one thing, there's a whole lot of new legislators this year. There certainly are, yeah. It's an amazing class. I want to ask you about many things today, including climate change, housing, 
energy, which can tie in closely to climate change. So does housing. But I want to start first with your chairing the local government committee. You're a former member of the Bothell City Council. Uh, You were when you came here in 2020. And now I don't guess that's an accident that you're chairing the local government committee because you've got deep experience in that in that realm. How is that going now as a first year chair of a very significant committee here in the House of Representatives? Well, I mean, I am learning what I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I served on the uh, Bothell City Council for about six and a half years, resigned at the end of May last year. Uh, Yeah, I do feel like my experience certainly helps in the issues that come before before us, but I, I certainly don't know everything. But I'm enjoying it. Um, there are definitely issues that I have feelings about and opinions about, uh, which is helpful. But yeah, I'm still learning, and I and I learn from my fellow uh, committee members every day. Tell me about the work that you're doing in local government that really does affect the housing supply, because housing and workforce development were the two things that were cited by lawmakers here at the beginning of the 2023 session as being the keys to this session's success or failure? I think having come from local government and also being an architect kind of gives me maybe a different perspective. I, I got in, interested in climate change and the environment back in college when one of my professors said to the class, um, the building industry is the most polluting, most material energy intensive sector out there. And I had a moment of crisis um, as someone who considered themselves an environmentalist. And so I really had to wrap my mind around how to reconcile that. And so that's how I got involved and interested in in sustainable architecture. I actually moved out to Washington because I was interested in pursuing that. And so now it's a little bit full circle for me because I'm able to work on legislation that you know, helps promote a sustainable building and transitioning to clean energy. And, you know, and now I see the nexus between climate change and housing and our work with equity. Uh, I think those are all things that are are big priorities uh, for our caucus. And they all sort of send, I mean, housing is kind of a solution for both equity and for climate change, because we know that sprawl, and that has to do with land use, which has to do with local government, Sprawl is very, very expensive because as we build out, we're entering into farmlands and forest lands. We're building roads further out. Then we have to build schools further out and we have to build fire stations further out and sewer lines and water lines. And we know that we're not even keeping up with maintenance and preservations of the roads that we have already built. And then when you add climate change to that in terms of droughts and flooding and whatnot and those those risk factors that sometimes end up destroying our infrastructure, the taxpayer ends up paying for that when we have to replace um, that infrastructure. And so all of those kinds of things swirl around in my brain, and I, and that's why I, I um, have sponsored 1181, the climate, adding climate change as an element to the GMA for the past three years. And that bill is moving right along. I believe that it's certainly a contentious bill, but it has passed the House with a decent majority. It's now being considered in the Senate. So how do you feel about the prospects of of 1181? Well, it was voted out of local government this morning. It is a partisan bill. I wish it wasn't a partisan bill because I don't think it 
needs to be. It, it, there's two parts to it. Basically, there's the mitigating the factors that impact climate change or help create or exacerbate climate change, which is vehicle miles traveled and greenhouse gas emissions, cars. Um, and the idea is that uh, to reduce sprawl. We worked a lot with local governments. So the 10 or 11 most populous counties, only those, um, need to plan to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. And Commerce has come up with a list of mitigation measures from which cities and counties can choose. So it's not prescriptive in that sense. They they get to kind of look at what fits their communities. But the other half of the bill, which is the resiliency piece, is really about every community having to contend with impacts of climate change. So we're, we're dealing with mitigating the creation of climate change and then the impacts. And I I would say or contend that every community, we're, we're helping them plan for things that we know are coming. And um, whether you believe in climate change or not, we know that flood, flooding and wildfires and whatnot are are getting worse. Um, my children were born into a world where there were Goldilocks summers in the Pacific Northwest, and now we have wildfire season, which interrupts soccer season. And so helping those communities, all of our communities, plan for those things shouldn't be a partisan issue. I agree. Back to housing, you sponsored 1167, which, unlike the previous bill we discussed, passed unanimously out of the House, and that has to do with some measures that would speed the approval and the construction of middle housing, uh, affordable housing in terms of duplexes and fourplexes and the kinds of construction projects that currently take a long time and are actually not sanctioned in many local governments around the state. Hopefully that will change with legislation that has moved through the legislature this year. Tell me about 1167 and what do you think now that since it passed the House unanimously, I'd say it's in pretty good standing in the Senate. It is, and that, in fact, also passed out of the local government committee in the Senate this morning. Uh, so this bill is actually, there are several measures in it, all um, for the purpose of trying to improve efficiency. Efficiency of our permitting processes, efficiency of our land use, efficiency um, in our workforce, because we do have shortages within our local government planning as I was looking at measures to take, I talked to, to a couple of community planning directors within my district, um, Kirkland and Bothell, and they gave me suggestions on ways that would help use their workforce more efficiently. And so those measures are in there. There are uh, a couple measures that ask the State Building Code Council to, to look at changing the code. First is to expand the residential code to include middle housing. And that's coming from an architect's point of view. If you go beyond a duplex currently in the state, you then move to a different code. And that is a barrier because most residential architects having to know two codes and learn two codes is is a barrier in terms of efficiency. So that's the first measure is to have a work group for a state building code council to look at how to accomplish that. And then the second part that had to do with the state building code council is looking at how to implement single stair in up to six stories. It happens all over the world, so it's nothing new, but we don't currently have it in the United States. And is that basically a safety-related concern, whether it's valid or not? Yeah, it. it um, we typically have two stairs, so two, two egress stairs, but with sprinklers and other available, I guess, safety measures, I think it can be made safe. Seattle has passed it, actually, within the city of Seattle, 
they came to um, an agreement with the fire marshals over like making sure that there was municipal water and response times and other measures that made them comfortable that it could be safe. And from my perspective, knowing that it, they have it in Germany and other places, I guess I think there needs to be a balance because certainly living on the street is no safe place to live either. And so it's trying to figure out how, how, do, we, how do we do that. And the reason for it is that that extra stair takes up more floor space, right? And all of these things can add cost and make building middle housing unaffordable. And just to make it clear, we're not talking about skyscrapers here. We're talking about buildings up to just a certain height, like six, seven stories. Yes, six stories. And the reason for middle housing is because right now we either, uh, we seem to have two choices, either a single family home, which we know is out of reach for many people because the costs are so high. I can't remember what the median house costs, but it's, I think it's upwards of $800,000 or an apartment. And we know that ownership is a generational wealth builder, and we're denying people that can't afford a single-family home that opportunity for long-term wealth. So that's the purpose behind it, is to find that middle ground and on opportunities for people to be able to afford to buy. This is a real theme this session. There's also at least one other bill in the legislature that seems to be doing okay that is geared to help people who have traditionally been locked out of the ability to purchase a house, a little bit of assistance where it's needed and where it's deserved. There's many ways of attacking this this problem. The legislature seems to be really stepping up on on making progress in this area. Yeah, I would agree. And the, the exciting thing is that um, it's a bipartisan effort. And for instance, um, we have Republican bills on housing that Democrats have signed on to and and voted for. And my bill, 1167, is co-sponsored by a freshman from Somers County. And so it's been fun to work together um, on solving a really big problem. This is something I like to mention in most of the podcasts when it comes up, which is this place is different than the other Washington in terms of, of Democrats and Republicans having a meeting and saying, here's what we want to accomplish, and then shaking hands and going out and doing it. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest surprises that I had when I came here was realizing how much we do together. You know, in my committee, we have Republicans offer amendments all the time that we take, and we work together to try to solve problems, and we don't always agree, but we have opportunity after opportunity to work together to make legislation better. At this point in the session where we've just passed the last chance for a chamber to pass bills that originated in that chamber, the House passed about 330 bills by the time the final gavel fell on cutoff day. And 80% of those bills were strongly bipartisan votes. Mm -hmm. And a large proportion of those passed out unanimously. There really aren't as many uh, knockdown, drag out, nasty fights here as people think if what they do is watch the evening news to find out what's going on or what's not going on in Washington, D.C. And I think part of that is because we're so excited to be together in Olympia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope that continues. (laughs) One of the bills we haven't talked about here is House Bill 1433 for those people that are out there doing their cross-referencing, and it has to do with energy labeling in residential construction. 
this one actually I'm I'm kind of excited about. And and the reason is because I work a lot in buildings and environmental issues. And so this one I, I'm particularly excited about because what it does is uh, uh, sets up a program state sponsored that cities can adopt. It's it's not obligatory to allow cities to ask sellers of homes to hire a, an energy assessor to come in and evaluate the home for energy usage and um, greenhouse gas emissions and then provide some recommendations as far as what the homeowner might, when they purchase the home, might do to be more energy efficient. And I like to think of it as, you know, you go to buy a car and it's very transparent. You know how many miles per gallon you're getting. And so you have a a sense of what your uh, costs will be. A home is the biggest purchase we ever make. And yet sometimes we're buying houses and we have no idea what the climate impact is or what the costs will be to the homeowner. And so I think of this as a transparency bill. Um, the, The part that I think is... The biggest lift is having Department of Licensing actually come up with a home energy assessor license. And so that will take a little bit of time, but you need to have that because otherwise you get potentially people that are not either qualified or purposely aren't qualified and want to make money off of people. But the city of Olympia came to me and said, please, please, what can we do to help you pass this? Because we we want to do this program. And so to me, this is very exciting because I think as a homeowner, I wish I had known. And then to have someone say, oh, you could save this much money if you simply did the small fix to your home. Or if you have a little more money, you can get payback on a heat pump in this many years. It just gives you a little more knowledge as a homeowner as to what your impact is and what your costs will be. And that bill I know passed out of here with a pretty divided vote, but it is in the Senate now. It is in the Senate. Uh, it has a hearing next week. The realtors were initially against the bill. I made some tweaks, and now they're neutral. So obviously they have a vested interest in the outcome of this bill, and they're, they've come to uh, to be neutral on it. So I think that's a good sign, and I hope that means that I can get bipartisan support in the Senate. I think a lot of times neutral really does mean tacit support. Yeah. We were just reminded that you've got another appointment And I don't want to be the cause of you being late for that. (laughs) I also hate cutting off the conversation right now because I think that it's been very informative and you've got more to say. So what I want to do is let you get out of here now, but with a request that we can maybe revisit this in a month or so and see where some of these bills finally ended up towards the end of session. That sounds great. I'd love to come back. Thank you. We've been visiting with Representative Davina Doerr of the 1st Legislative District, chair of the House Local Government Committee, and an architect in her real life. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Davina. I have too. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. That's another Capital Ideas for the Archives. I hope you feel like those 12 minutes added something to your life. And if you do, this would be a perfect time to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you prefer. Or you can visit the House Democratic Caucus website at housedemocrats.wa.gov and hit the media button up at the top of the page. That'll take you to another page where you can subscribe and, as a bonus, You can listen to several years' worth of Capital Ideas if you've got the time.
Maybe not all at once. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for your time.